Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to episode of 145 of Fourth and John. I am Gail Saunders here with Evan Hollywood Hearn. And we here as fans are going to talk about expectations versus reality. I'll start it off with a nice little quote. What screws us up most in life is the picture in our head of how it's supposed to be. And as Eagle fans, three years ago, we're, we're coming off this super high. Super Bowl high, and we're here now. The expectations that were set by this football team uh, were pretty high. I can look at Evan at at that moment where we're at the the steps, uh, watching them have their speech and holding the trophy and just a moment, right? You know, so as fans, we we have to pull back and we have to look at the reality of things. And the problem is we're stuck at where we expect this football team to be uh, year three after winning a Super Bowl. And uh, expectations don't always meet reality. Now, from this standpoint, moving forward, for me, it's about reality and looking at, you know, the injuries, uh, whether it be multiple guys going down with injuries, moving parts, multiple moving parts, multiple players missed in the draft. You're looking at an organization that's dealing with some internal battles, whether it be amongst the budget. Uh, if you're looking down a year from now, there's there's going to be some guys that are going to be removed from this football team. That's, that is a reality. Um, so you, you're going to have to expect some things like players like a Zach Ertz, that's a whole different conversation about Zach Ertz, but there's a moment where you just have to realize that there are a lot of things going on. And for me, the reality is I'm, I'm looking at some some positives here about what I saw from last week. And some of the positives I saw were Carson Wentz getting back to who Carson Wentz is. We're talking about Carson Wentz putting balls in places that uh, we normally saw him put in the last couple of years, uh, but over the last couple of weeks, he's seemed a little gun shy and he's been pretty inaccurate. So in terms of looking at our leader, the guy that's going to get this offense back on track, I, I feel like Carson Wentz and Travis Fulgham have formed a, a bond that we can, we can stand for the defense, <laughs> the defense we expect uh, they've shown a lot over the last couple of weeks. We expect a lot from them. And the reality is last week they did not come to play when the game was on the line. I guess Evan Hollywood Hearn, 
He's 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 got a boo in the chamber for Jim Schwartz as he oh, left yeah. Nate Gary on an island loaded. <laughs> to uh, defend uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, so if we're going to talk about this expectations versus reality, where do you stand as we speak, Evan Hollywood Hearn? Well, Gail. You mentioned how I have a bill in the chamber, and quite frankly, I'm ready to empty the clip. That's where I stand right now. Yeah, I mean, Eagles fans, let's put it this way. This is not your fault, these high expectations for this team. We were standing, as Gail said, uh, right in front of the steps when all of those speeches were being made after the Super Bowl, and Doug Peterson coined the famous phrase that we hung on to, that this is the new norm. That was our expectation. He put that in our minds. He was the one that said, this is the new norm. This is what you can expect moving forward. And so we we bit the cheese, and we thought that that was going to be our reality. Well, it turns out things don't always work out the way that you plan. To build off of what you said about Carson Wentz, I mean, I think it's promising the turnaround that he's, he's shown the past two weeks. I really don't know, even know what to think of what we saw the first three weeks of the season. Do we just write it off as a fluke? Do we write it off as he was just still shaking the rust off from the uh, the off season? I don't know. But one one positive to definitely take away from this game is the Travis Fulgram story. Travis Fulgram is a guy who came in here just out of nowhere. He's been waived by team after team, and nobody really wanted to give him a shot. And then he ends up almost like a last resort. <laughs> he, he found the Eagles. And he ends up being just a star on Sunday. It was something that was really promising to see. And, I mean, after the first few catches, I'm like, man, this kid, he's having a game. Man, when he when I saw the final stat line and, and his big catch after big catch just continued to happen, and this is all on the heels of his game-winning catch that he had on, uh, against San Francisco, like, I'm really starting to feel a certain way about Travis Fulgram, man. I don't know about you, but, like, I've, I've had some thoughts recently. I'm thinking about how Deshaun Jackson has missed so much time with the Eagles. I'm thinking about how, how much older he is. And quite frankly, when he comes back, I mean, trust me, I understand the fact that he he wins matchups. He wins one-on-one battles. I get that. But let's face the reality. Can he stay on the field? That's not something that he's been able to do in his second tenure with the Philadelphia Eagles. Travis Fulgram is a guy – Granted, he's only played two weeks. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy down the line. But uh, if I could take a page out of a hockey player's handbook, you stick with the hot hand. You know what I mean? Why Why are you going to take the ball out of Travis Fulgram's hand when, 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 if he keeps on performing the way that he's performing right now? Why are you going to take opportunities away from him to continue to eat and try and give them to whoever else? That's really the only bright spot between Travis Fulgram and Carson Wentz. Those are really the only bright spots I can pull from last week's game. I'm uh, really concerned about the coaching. I'm concerned about Zach Ertz. I mean, uh, Zach, I hate to break it to you, but our expectation for you is to ball out. And you expect to get a contract extension. And you expect George Kittle and Kelsey money. Man, it, that doesn't meet reality, man, my friend. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, Zach Ertz, you need to step up. This entire offense needs to step up and help Carson out. This is going to be a long stretch of games uh, for the rest of the season, no matter who we play. Now, if I'm going to use hockey, and everybody knows who listens to this podcast, I don't do hockey, but 
going with Travis Fogel for you, would that be a power play? <laughs> it would be a power play. It would certainly be a power play because he seems to be a guy who uh, he can actually catch the ball. Believe that shit, man. Yeah. Can you believe it? We got wide receivers with hands all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, in uh, that end of the day, you have to hone the fact that you got to know when to roll them and know when to fold them. And uh, if, like you said, it's one of the only bright spots from last week that we could hang our hats on because, uh, again, you look at pure athletic ability, you look at pure heart, and you look at it's a, a marriage of confidence and his pure ability, and that's what it looks like. When you see a guy go out there who has he has got nothing to lose, he's got everything to gain. You know, you look at Greg Ward, who showed us last year, same same exact type of scenario when the, the team was like, you know, we're clawing and looking for anyone to step up in a position. And here he comes out after having a you know game breaking, game winning touchdown, follows it up with another strong performance, and then you're looking at you know some of the weapons that are stepping up, and it's. Greg Ward, it's Travis Fulgham, and you see Zach Ertz, a mainstay in this offense, like in the, the quarterback not on the same – they're not in sync, and you're, you have questions. You know, one bright spot we talked about was Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, pre, pre-game show, if you listen to Eagles kickoff live, I was like, this is what we need from Miles Sanders today. We need a long run. I actually even showed the, the run from uh, when he was at Penn State playing in Heinz Field against the Pitt Panthers, uh, he gave us shades of that. And uh, only getting the ball 11 times, you have some questions. And we normally had questions about the offense and Carson Wentz, but this week really put the magnifying glass on the defense uh, in a situation where we've also continuously talked about Nate Gary. Uh, Nate Gary being put in a position where he is – not not going to succeed. So, like, we, as fans, we don't expect Nate Gary to succeed. And the reality is meeting the expectations on that situation because how can you leave a guy out there time in and time again, continuously getting abused, continuously getting heat on, whether it's Tyler Higby, now to a Chase Claypool, who's a wide receiver, but they put him on the inside. He's as big as a tight end, running four four speed. Uh, I know it's, uh, I believe it's a cover six, but you know they had two deep, two safeties uh, deep. And then you, you think about, you know, it's big, been a big play that Eagle fans have been talking about on the timeline. But putting him in that situation, we all knew what was going to happen. You would expect that Nate Gary could see it. He didn't see it. So the NRC saw it. McLeod kind of took the bait on uh, the out route from Juju Smith-Schuster and pulled him away. But McLeod's got to be – he's got to have some awareness as well there. But if you're Nate Gary, you got to get deep, man, because you know you're not going to man up with this guy. you got to get yeah. deep. Yeah. And you're exactly right about that expectation because, like, I'm I'm sitting here uh, after our, our pregame show. I went downstairs. I'm at home right now. I was uh, – my sister was right down there, and I'm watching the game with her. And she doesn't know anything about football. She's just watching uh, for company. But we're, we're, we're watching Chase Claypool just run all over us all game. And I'm saying 
before that infamous play that we've been talking about all week. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, you know, please, for the love of God, somebody be on Chase Claypool. And my sister even says, you know, I bet, I bet you they go to Claypool. I mean, if everybody, people that don't even watch football are, are recognizing how this guy has been butchering us all game, I don't understand why in a crucial situation like that, Nate Gary is the guy who is covering the, who is obviously getting the ball. I mean, I think everybody was on the same page that was watching that game that we were like, all right, there's 11 guys on offense and there's one guy we all know that it's going to. Like, it's not even a question. So watch the game with my family. We said the same thing. We're like, it's going to Claypool here on this play. Yep. And if we all do that, then how come Jim Schwartz didn't call a timeout? And Doug Peterson was talking about, you know, saving those timeouts because you like. The game's already out of hand at that point. Yeah. Like, like it's it's too far out of reach. If they score in that play and they did, the game is over. It's the game's over. Just with the amount of time that we have left, it's two possession game. You're not going to be able to come back and win. And so, for to say that you want to save that timeout for when your team is is your offense is back on the field, what sense does that make? Yeah, I mean, it, it really. I I really feel like this this last game kind of like you know. Some of you fans didn't think they had a chance, but if you saw what they, you know, they did, you know, you know, they they hung in there and they they showed some heart, and that was one thing that kind of, you know, I, uh, stuck to me after the game. You know, I, I was, of course, obviously upset, but uh, I I thought that they showed some heart, but I thought the coaching, and sometimes these these close battles come down to coaching, and the uh, the the Steelers coaches outcoached the Eagles. Some might want to give a hat tip to Ben Roethlisberger on that play, but that that everyone saw that. Everyone, yeah. you, you could see that play coming a mile away, and he he did a good job lining his players up in audible and putting his players in a position to succeed. But when Nate Gary is across the way from you, you have a great chance of succeeding. I don't care who who you are out there, especially in coverage. But that's just, that's the one thing that uh. I really think the Eagle fans have uh, had a hard time dealing with. I, I'm trying to think about players that, as a fan base, we've had this much with a, a Byron Maxwell, a um, the awesome. a Bradley Fletcher, um, a Mark Simino, a, a Casey Matthews. Players that uh, a Macho Harris, or go, go back to Kerry Williams. Just players that you just – didn't feel comfortable as an Eagle fan, seeing them in certain situations. The writing was on the wall. And, again, we're seeing this with Nate Gary. And at this point, you have to look at Jim Schwartz. What is holding him back from using guys like Davion Taylor, Sean Bradley? You start questioning things like, can't get any worse, can it? No. And I think one thing that another small positive I can take from that game is the fact that I saw Sean Bradley out there in the goal line packages. So like for him to be in that sort of situation, that tells me that Jim Schwartz has a lot of confidence in him to be able to to hold the line. He actually had a huge tackle to need that. So I, I think, you know, Sean Bradley, he looks more promising to me. I've seen more out of Sean Bradley to this point than I have out of Davian Taylor. But I mean, like, the one thing that I've noticed this entire season is that the way that offenses are game planning against our defenses is they're just going to pick the scab. 
And a lot of the time, the scab ends up being Nate Gary in all the previous games, all the things that we've talked about. But like, it seems like teams want to come in here and they want to beat us with one player. Look, look at every, like every game we've played so far. Like how often do you do you, we've had a guy that scored three touchdowns against us this year. We've had a guy that scored four touchdowns against us this year. They're looking to beat us with really one offensive player because they're looking for that key mismatch and they're looking to pick the scab all game long. And that's exactly what's happening. And there's no yeah. adjustments that are coming from it. I mean, I have that in my notes. Picking the scab. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, whether it be Nate Gary, you know, Jalen Mills is serviceable, but they're going to attack Jalen Mills short in the short game, knowing that he's playing off on cross the field, you know, guys that have that are speedy. Yeah, he can't keep up with them. And that's just fact. Those are just facts. Um, so it's like us losing Darius Slay. He's in the concussion protocol. Hopefully he'll be back this week. Uh, this, we also lost Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. Huge. And Lane Johnson, we talked about that pregame, but we also talked about that, I believe, last, on last, last week's podcast, just about how important it is to have Lane Johnson. A couple weeks ago, he had six cubic centimeters of fluid that was drained from a cyst, and they hoped that would solve his issues. Um, but he left on the cart on Sunday. You know, he, he had to get a second opinion on the injury. Good news is he's not going to have to have surgery. It's just going to be see moving forward. It's just going to be interesting to see how much he can give. Yeah, moving forward. Um, but I mean, sticking with the offensive line, one reality that has exceeded my expectations. How about our Aussie boy, man? I think Jordan Mailata these past two games has really showed out. I mean, he's he's held his own. He's held up his end, in my opinion. What do you think, Joe? I, I believe so. I mean, if you go back and watch, you know, some of the tape that put out there that was from down by the goal line, he flattened T.J. Watt. He put on another solid performance for a guy in his second game. He he performed well, and he's still he's still learning. I feel like he's still uh, getting to you know getting under his feet. No pun intended. Like it, he's he's showing that he's he's got the sweet feet. His, his, he's putting it all to, he's trying to, it looks like he's putting it all together. Um, tell, tell me if this makes any sense to you, because to me, his like performance arc has kind of, to me, feels a lot like Halapulavati Vitae's. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that like how I think Vitae started out a little bit slow. We were really iffy uh, as to whether he was going to be if he was going to work. And then game after game, he showed progression and he was proven to be a decent offensive lineman. In the, on this team. I mean, sometimes you have to crawl before you, you walk. And, and you're seeing that with Melada. Sometimes you, you have to believe. And there's a confidence level that matches your athletic ability. And, as, again, we, we talked about that with Fulgham. You're looking at Melada, who's starting to believe in himself, that he belongs. That's great to see. I mean, it was funny because I put out – it was like a mock draft, seventh round, like who the Eagles would pick. And I, I, had, I had in the seventh round I put – Jordan Mailata, and people were like laughing at me. They're like, Yo, the Aussie guy? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I was like, the Eagles like this guy. They put, he had a team visit. Um, they used the team visit on him. I, I think they like him. And they yep. drafted him, and, I, and people were like, oh, now you're excited because you, I was like, no, I'm excited for what I see in him, the possibilities that I see in him. And here yeah. we are, like, three years later, 
and you're seeing him on the field and you're like, maybe you should get paid for this. Uh, but you see him, you're just like, wow, this is what I was hoping. Like I was praying that he could get to this this level because if Stoutland co-signed on him, I knew Stoutland, I mean, Stoutland put his neck out for him. Yeah. For, if it wasn't for Stoutland, he wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for Stoutland, he probably wouldn't have developed as far as he had. I mean, I think that Stoutland really is one of our best development developmental coaches we have on this roster right now i mean like it's just it's it's great to see like if you're a draft geek and like myself these are kind of stories you hold close to because like yeah man i remember the struggle and i remember where he's coming from and to see an international player you know i I believe what was it Stalin went down the img academy or img program whatever that um the international players were coming from and Stoutland was down there, like, holding his hand, like, really just, you know, that's cute. engaged with Melada, and here he is. That's his project out there. And when we need him the most, he's out there giving us something. We're going to hope that he gives us something versus the Ravens because uh, the Ravens are, you know, it's going to be an interesting squad. Everybody is chalking this up as an L. But, Gail, there is a silver lining. The fans will be in the stands. This is true. You know, I mean, there there could be that fan influence that, uh, do you know what the, the number of people that are allowed in is? Is it 7,500? I think it's 7,500 total. I think it's like 500, uh, 5,500 maybe. Okay. So that's very limited capacity. That's not 25% or anything like that. You know, having fans in the stands, will that be a factor for the Eagles to maybe get some juice. Maybe we see some life out of them. Maybe somebody is yelling profanities at Zach Ertz and that lights a fire under his ass. Who knows? Boo in the chamber. Boo in the chamber. I got, I got, dude, I've got a a bunch of booze loaded in this chamber, man. It's a, it's a rough season, but I mean, the other silver lining, if you want to really call it that the path to the playoffs feels like it got a little bit easier over this past weekend. You know, there was a gruesome injury uh, Dak Prescott ended up facing uh, versus the Giants, and that, that was nasty, man. You could see the bone poking through the skin. Obviously, we don't wish harm on anybody on this podcast. We wish him a quick recovery, but it looks like he's going to be done for the year, so it's going to be the battle of the gingers for this division. You fear Andy Dalton, Gale? I think he's a serviceable quarterback. I thought he was one of the best back quarterbacks in the league, I think. They did play their cards in, in, in Dallas, and they kind of oh, with Dak on the franchise tag, which you know it sucks for him. You know, it seemed like he was dealing with the organization that wasn't really budging for a guy that they said they love so much. He did turn down an offer, but he still was trying to get his his value, and then you know try and ball out. But it, it, you know he lost he, lo- he lost that gamble, which is an unfortunate. And again, like. Reiterating what you said, you know, you never wish harm on. You don't want to see players going down with injury. And, you know, we might do memes out here as Eagle fans versus Cowboy fans. Like it, it's just a rivalry at the end of the day. But it's, it's a tough loss for them. But in terms of the division now, is Andy Dalton exactly? Does he bring what Dak brings to the table? I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but he, he's a he's a sound veteran, so. It really is going to be the, the ginger bowl uh, yeah. in the next couple of weeks. 
if I mean, he might not be able to live up to Dak's level of play. Uh, his mobility definitely isn't the same. But as far as his weapons, the weapons remain the same. I mean, you look you look at Zeke Elliott. He's one of the top, if not the best running back in the league, a top three running back. And then all of his wide receiver options. I mean, they're they're pretty stacked across the board in the wide out room. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, Dallas has been struggling. So it makes you makes you start to think. You like, you know, if we catch some L's, you know, here and there, you're only going to need you could it could be six wins to win to win the NFC. But, like, I, but be real with me, Gail. Level with me, because like, how do you feel about that? Like, would you be content with just like winning the division, getting in the playoffs, no matter what our record is, or are you looking at it like? you know, is it really worth it? Because we're really kind of forfeiting a better draft. But when I don't, like, if we're going in to the playoffs with six wins, I'm not expecting us to do anything. I mean, I'm expecting a first-round bounce. I mean, super nerdy draft guy in me is like, you know, like, I wouldn't mind a high pick, you know, and and start. that these Eagles seem like they could do anything with it, but yeah. I mean, in, in terms of, like, having that draft capital and finally getting some players impact real impact players um the top of the draft but then the reality is the competitor you see my football team i'm not i'm not i don't want to see my team lose i don't want i do like to see the development of the super nerdy gm in myself like why i'm always always challenging myself to think outside the box is like uh oh i want to see the development of these young guys that which would be nice but the reality of it is in a locker room, these guys aren't tanking. They're they're in a yeah. whole different mindset. They're they're trying to win football games. And I I really do feel if they get back on track and get healthier, they have a shot because I, I feel like this offense it really weighs on this defense when the offense struggles. You really want to like this defense is kind of like built for leads. Like if you got a big lead. They're passing consistently, and we're, we're firing all cylinders all the time. It's with this with the with the guys coming off the edge. But I feel like if you're if your offense is struggling, it's a different story. So I, I feel like the offense has to get back on track in order for this defense to succeed. I still think there's there's still hope, and with the way that the NFC East is set up, and my Kevin Hart voice, there's a there's an opportunity. And that, at the end of the day, that's really all you want is the opportunity to get in the playoffs, get hot, and go on a roll. Can that happen? Possibly. Yeah. Does that start this week, though? Because I'm looking at these matchups, and we talked about picking a scab. Andrews is one of the top tight ends in the league at this point. And if we're looking at our linebackers that we continue to talk about, <laughs> that's where I'm attacking if I'm the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I mean, they're – they, see, this is the key thing where if you listen to some of the Raven fans, Raven fans will tell you that, you know, Lamar Jackson hasn't looked like MVP Lamar Jackson. If anything, you could hold your hat on as, again, like I always look at matchups. Like, you know, when a lot of people are penciling pencil in, in L's. I'm looking at the reality of the matchup here is you know, they're a strong running team. The Eagles, I think they could be, I think they could be stout against the run. Not super stout from the linebacker standpoint, but from up front, the defensive line, it's a solid group. And I feel like they're not, they're, they have been great in the past game the last couple of weeks. Uh, if you're looking at 
Lamar, Lamar Jackson the last couple of weeks. I mean, he, he hasn't, like, really, you know, balled out. So, I mean, if you look at it, passing yards in the last three weeks uh, against Kansas City, Lamar Jackson put up 97 yards. Against Washington, he had 193 yards passing. The last week, he put up 180 yards passing. Um, he's been kind of erratic. He hasn't been as accurate as they want. He's missed on wide receivers. He almost sounds like someone we know on our football team. Yes, he um, does. He dealt with a knee injury and he had an illness last week. Uh, but he, had, he definitely has not been MVP Lamar Jackson. So if he's, he's not effective, super effective in the passing game, that's, that's, that's good for us. Do you do you feel like, for lack of a better term, that he's been found out? Do you think defenses are starting to figure out the Lamar Jackson how to game plan against him? Well, I think he, I think he's an explosive talent. Like if he is dealing with an injury, that's where I always feel like Lamar Jackson, without his athletic ability, he's a different player. So you, that's that's who he is. Like he, yeah. But if he's dealing with an injury, he's not. You know, he's not trying to. Be as mobile, utilizing his athletic ability. That's a big part of his game. Um, I think we all know that Andrews is the guy he's targeting. Marquise Brown is the guy he's targeting. We all know that. I know the Eagles know that. So if they can, do they though? We hope we <laughs> do will. they know that? We're telling people now. So I mean, obviously that's the where they have to key on, key in on. If they can shut down the run, this isn't. They haven't been the high power running game that they were last season. Although they do have some really great bats, it'd be interesting to see. Like they're one big play away from, you know, breaking the game open. And I, but I, I feel like their defense, Humphrey, solid, solid cornerback, a pro, a pro bowler. You know, I, I feel like it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Am, am I super confident that we're going to catch a dub? I have questions. This is this is one of the games where I was like, we might catch that L. Yeah, I, I don't normally say that before any Eagle game. I'm pretty much, uh, but I, I do feel like if we're going to look at mismatches and where we could potentially win, I think if they can't get it together in a passing game, we have a shot. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think is the key reason as to why, even after Miles Sanders pops off a 75 yard run? Uh, in a season where he's averaging five yards a carry, why are we going away from the run? Why are we going away from what works? I think Doug Peterson, there, there'll be a couple tackles for losses that kind of set him back. And then he gets out of that groove. He's like, yeah, you know, he just he goes away from But 11, 11 attempts for Miles Sanders is absurd. He, yeah. That's one thing I've been asking for, more Miles Sanders. If he's yeah. banged up, he's banged up, but. Again, uh, if we're if we're sticking on the same theme, though, of this entire podcast, expectations versus reality, we really in the offseason, we're talking about this is Miles Sanders breakout year. This is a potential MVP season for Miles Sanders. You know, obviously, it doesn't it's not on that track right now. But is that something that could be a reality in the future, do you think? Or do you think that he's just an above average running back? I mean, MVP at a running back back position it's a stretch, but for to be the focal point of the offense, I don't think that's a stretch. I think he could be a focal point. I think he'd break off more runs if you had safeties back, vertical threats, Alshon back, 
uh, two tight ends set. Like, and then Miles, Miles Sanders sneaking out. Like, that's a whole different element to Miles Sanders' game when you have different moving parts that aren't here right now. But, like, the teams can focus on Miles Sanders. Teams can focus on Zach Ertz. Now, Travis Fogel to the to the enters the party, enters the chat. <laughs> we don't know exactly if he's the what exactly he is right now. He's 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 a total anomaly at this moment. Is that the right word? Yeah, I think he's a. Uh, it's it brings another flavor to the offense, but again, defenses are keying on our key weapon. So yeah. our screen game needs some real help as well. So there was actually some big news that uh, came out right before we started recording. <laughs> There's a new running back on the market, uh, Mr. Lavian Bell. That interest you? In theory, it interests me. But in reality, what is his, his price? And, and what is Le'Veon Bell in a situation where he can pick his team? Where does he want to go? Yeah, you know, like like where does he really want to go? Where where does he want to be? What type what, what type of team does he want to be on? I mean, he gets the pick of the litter. I mean, you know, teams are going to have to pick him, but he gets to pick the situation that he wants to be in. Coming from Pittsburgh Steelers in a situation that he did not like going to the uh, going to the Jets, kind of like being he knew what to expect, but he wanted to get paid. He got his money. Um, that was pretty much he got his money's worth. So now he can pick maybe a situation not based solely on money. It's true. If he got, came I, in for the right price, yeah, I, I take him. We, we need a number two. He'd be right there with Miles Sanders. But I, I feel like Miles Sanders, healthy Miles Sanders, you, know, you don't have to worry about spending that money on. I agree. I agree with that. And honestly, I think that. Le'Veon Bell is someone who can be a number one running back on a team. So for him to look at the Eagles and be like, you know, do you want to split carries with Miles Sanders? I'm not so sure. Yeah, one, three, and one. Yeah, is, that's is, that's. Is he looking at the same? And then if you're also the front office and looking at Le'Veon Bell, you're like, are we competing right now? How much are we paying Le'Veon Bell? Right, right. And we're already in cap hell next year. Do you want a one year deal? Or are we are we going just for a one year deal? Because you make that move if you feel like this team can get back on track. You feel like this running game and the offensive line can effectively block up front. It's yeah, it feels it sounds great on paper, but the reality is, what is this front office? It, I don't know we, why, but I'm getting these heavy vibes. He's going to end up signing with the Rams. That's my early guess is where he ends up. When if talk about moving from New York to LA. Have a lot of fun out in L.A. For sure. For New sure. York to L.A. And I think that they just kind of have a questionable backfield. Uh, they got a good situation as far as the trend. They're trending up right now again. Uh, they got a good team. I don't know exactly what their cap situation is, but what, I feel like is, he could end up there. What is the draw to moving Philly like? Hey, man, Amoroso rolls. Juice <laughs> stays guy. Um, we got Alex Holly on TV. Yeah, school kill river. Great brick buildings. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't have the same appeal as LA. It's more heart over here in Philly than it is than anywhere else in the country. But I, I feel like, what is the draw for him at the end of the day? What is the draw for him? 
What I mean, is why? We don't know what Le'Veon Bell's why is. Yeah. We didn't, and we didn't expect to be talking about Le'Veon Bell, but this, this news just broke. So we're, you're getting real, real-time reactions from me and uh, Evan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where he'll end up. I mean, you, you think about his whole situation that he went through. He sat out the whole year a couple of years ago in search of that contract. And, I mean, Gail, you, you were looking at the numbers before the show. Like, he's still – going to be owed money next year in addition to this year in dead cap. I think he's going to be getting uh Le'Veon Bell's release leaves behind 15 million of dead cap in 2020. Another 4 million in 2021 to the Jets. Bell earned uh 28 million dollars across 18 games played for New York. Talk, think about his his time in New York. He got 28 million dollars <laughs> for for that experience, the New York experience, the New York Jets that experience but yeah. I, I think it was a win like he got his money like, yeah he, and that that was my original point in that like you know a lot of people were giving him shit for sitting out that year but my man got his back he, he got 28 million dollars what, what are you uh, gonna say to him for some people that's that's uh, he, he just lived the american dream <laughs> he got paid and that that was his uh his goal and now he gets to pick his team of choice he gets to pick a contender I don't know. Where would he go? What if he went to the Chiefs for, for a discount? Maybe. Imagine that. Yeah. Ooh, the screen game. Ooh. Wow. You put uh, him out there with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Like I'm, I don't yeah. know which way to go. Like, I mean, yeah, Hilaire's out there. But I'm just saying, imagine if he went there to just, you know, because Andy Reid seems like he gets, gets his guys. Mm-hmm to play for him, but yeah. We're just hoping Doug Peterson gets his guy to play for him this week. I think I think it's a perfect opportunity, man. Again, we weren't supposed to win at Pittsburgh. Again, we're not supposed to win versus the Baltimore Ravens. You're just hoping that this Eagles football team gets it together in, in the worst way, like, or in the best way. Now, you're just hoping Doug Peterson gets his players to play for him this week. The Eagles need to win in the worst way, but they're going up against the Ravens team that everyone thinks they're they're going to come in and just take advantage of this Eagles football team and just like chalk up a W. But these are the type of games that the Eagles win for some reason. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. And I mean, you really do need to get on top of it now more than ever because, like, if this starts to slide any more than it already has like doug peterson is going to lose grip on the locker room he's going to lose the pulse and you're going to see like players are going to start to talk against the coaches it might be more anonymous speak like how we saw from josina anderson and the whole alshon jeffrey thing last year and if you lose the locker room if those stories start to come out like that's when it really really starts to head downhill fast so Doug Peterson needs to grab the reins, and he needs to get these guys right. I could, like imagine if they went on a run, like you somehow beat the Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the Giants coming up, okay? Then you have the Cowboys, and then you have the Giants again, and then following the Giants, you have the Browns. So I mean, that next five games, I mean, imagine turning it around, like you, you know. Anything can happen. Just wondering about the health of this football team. And Carson Wentz getting hot at the right time. If Carson Wentz gets hot at the right time. There's, the throws that he was making this week 
were pretty on point. I think so. I agree. Third he's, he's, he's shown progression each week since week three, I believe. The yeah, past two like games. 30, 37% of uh, Wentz's passes were thrown into tight coverage this week. And that was like, that led the league in week five. Um, if you're looking at the previous four games, 14.3, 11.6, 19.1, percentage of his throws were tight window throws. So he was feeling a certain way this week. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch some of the throws that he was making. I mean, the only thing, if you're talking about, you know, things that can nitpick the offense was um, the Steelers were getting pressure with three, uh, which was a little concerning. But you're going to have to take what the defense gives you. I feel like Carson Wentz, with more uh, chemistry with some of these players, he's, he's going to get better. And you're just hoping that maybe – Deshaun comes back. Maybe Alshon comes back. Obviously, they have to be 100%. But what will the offense look like with the rest of the stars? And how long will it last? And what is the reality? <laughs> this has been a good therapy session. Thank you, Eagle Sessions. I appreciate it. Let me sit uh, on your chair. We, we've all been in this. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a weird year. It's been a... A wild ride ever since I can remember when the when the uh, when the pandemic started. Uh, all of us watching the draft together. All of us thinking that the season wasn't going to start. So actually, we're in our what, fifth. You know, we went through five weeks of uh, NFL football already. Um, but there's games that are being played on Tuesdays. Uh, we're working around this COVID situation. The league is still. Functioning, my you fantasy know, teams are in shambles. Yeah, I mean th- that is true. Uh, it's definitely been a wild ride. But uh, before you go, any, any any last words? Don't let this game versus Baltimore give you your vibe on the Eagles for the rest of the season. I mean, let's go into this with realistic expectations. You know, I want to see more development. I want to see more progression out of each one of our offensive players. I want to see Zach Ertz wake the hell up. And uh, I want to see a competent Jim Schwartz. You know, Nate Gary is what he is, but Jim Schwartz has the power to put people in the right places, and I want to see him do that. And uh, I just want to see more progress before we head into the three divisional games. Yeah, I mean, if I could drop any words of uh, wisdom for this, I I really just – like to see this Eagles team get back on track, uh, keep fighting, keep moving forward, being smarter about what you guys are doing out there, putting players in the best situation to succeed. Because Eagle fans these days are super smart. We're watching, always watching. Always. <laughs> We're too smart for our own good. And we, f- we feel like we know the best for the, this football team. So we just want our organization – and our coaches have a uh, perfect marriage right now because we got to get these guys back on track. And the coaches, uh, you guys got to lead these guys. You guys got to be the leaders and get some W's in here. But as always, we will see you guys in the next one. And fly, Eagles, fly.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.